Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And of course. I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here we are back. Closed the book on week two. Got our first win of the season in the books. And now we move on to week number three. We're back on the road because, of course, it's away home, away home, away home every single week this season uh, or every other week, however you want to put it. Um so we hit back on the road out to Cleveland, a hostile environment, and uh, taking on the Cleveland Browns, who um, should probably be 2-0, but are 1-1 after uh, a late comeback from the defending AFC champion Chiefs in uh, week one. You hear me and my guest Jeff Lloyd from Locked on Browns talking about that uh, during, uh, during our interview here in a little bit. But, um, you know, breaking news, I'm sure you've all heard by by now, this is this show is dropping on Thursday morning. You've all heard Justin Fields will be our starting quarterback uh, on on Sunday. Uh, I, I kind of thought that Nagy would would hang on to that to the very end on Friday when the injury designations come out. Doubtful, questionable, probable, that kind of thing. But uh, he goes ahead and he does it on Wednesday. So we're going full bore ahead uh, with Justin Fields, the bone bruise to Andy Dalton. He avoided the ACL injury, thank God. We'll keep him out for the next couple of weeks, but we also have to deal with the nonsense of Nagy saying that when Andy Dalton's healthy, he's the starter. Like, okay, dude, we'll see. <laughs> then, uh, you know, Andy Dalton better be coming back next week healthy against the Lions. Um, you know, and you also better hope that we lose to the Browns because if Justin Fields goes out there and has a lights-out game, leads us to victory over 
Cleveland, I don't give a damn how healthy Andy Dalton is. He's starting against the Lions next week. I don't want to hear anything about Andy Dalton. But anyway, you're going to hear me at the beginning of the interview say take two. Uh, and that's because I tried to kill two birds with one stone uh, this week. I'm sure those of you that follow me on Twitter and, and uh, the Facebook group know that I announced that Jeff would be my guest on Club 34-7, the live show that I do on the Spotify uh, green room. And um, when they, when obviously when this first started out, you hear in the ad reads, formerly known as the Locker Room app, when it was the Locker Room app, there was a desktop interface so that, you know, me and my guests could be on together and it would flow through the app, but we would be doing it as we would do our regular podcast. But for whatever reason, when they switched over to the Spotify green room, that interface was gone. So I thought that I would be able to, um, you know, rig it through my, cause I have a roadcaster so I can Bluetooth my phone into the board. So I thought that I'd be able to, you know, with having Jeff on Skype and, and talking to him, I thought that because everything was going in and out of the board, that Jeff would be fed into the app. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. So that was the first reason that we had technical issues. The second would be that the first time that we started the interview, <laughs> I was so uh, obsessed with making sure that I had the phone and everything hooked up into the board I didn't hit record, so we were talking for about 12 minutes before I realized that the record button on my mixer was green instead of red. Red means it's recording. Green just means it's a pretty light that's shining on the port. So when you hear me say take two at the beginning of the interview, now you know why. So uh, anyway, we had a great conversation with, uh, with Jeff, uh, same as we did over the summer when we had him on for our opponent preview uh, episodes and um, you know we, we talk about Justin Fields uh, being announced as the uh, quarterback we talk about the Browns and uh, their running game and uh, you know then even at the end uh, there was kind of like this viral tweet that went out this week about this guy talking about how he charges 50 to 100 dollars a podcast appearance and when he told the guy who asked him to be on his show uh, the guy got upset and told him to piss off and he was like, what about the nerve of this guy? My time is valuable, blah, 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 blah. Jeff and I have a little conversation uh, about that uh, at the end, which I enjoyed thoroughly. But, um, but our conversation is mostly about the Bears and the Browns for week three. So let's go ahead and dive into this. It's myself and Jeff Lloyd from Locked on Browns previewing Bears and Browns for week number three on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Ready. Let's try this again. Week number three has our beloved heading back out on the road after getting our first win of 2021 against the Bengals on Sunday. We'll be doing it with a brand new quarterback. Our rookie sensation, Justin Fields, was named the starter today by Matt Nagy. Floored that he actually had the nerve to do it. And to help us preview this matchup between the Bears and the Browns from Locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd. Jeff, take two. Let's see if we can nail it this time. Uh, well, I just hopefully we remember, you know, all the solid points that we get. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> look, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, and, and you know, in with the, the bears being scheduled so early on the Brown schedule, 
uh, you know, and such a, you know, so many Browns fans obviously associated, you know, as Ohio State fans. You know, the, the running joke was we hope Justin Fields has a fantastic rookie campaign starting week four. Yeah. And, you know, hope he kills it, slays it. Um, but it's going to be interesting. You know, it's, you know, Cleveland's become a hostile environment and the crowd is actually now yelling at the opposing team, not their own players, which right. is something that has been gone on there for years. Um, but Justin Fields, this is, you know, they're going to love you. You know, people are going to take pictures of them all over the field during pregame warmups. Um, become one o'clock when uh, the toe basically meets the pigskin. Justin Fields is going to be the enemy. And that's just the way it works in Cleveland. He, you know, even if you're native son, they love you to death, this, that, and the other thing. Um, he's the opposing quarterback. They love Baker Mayfield more. They love the Browns more. Yeah. They want to win. And tough spot, obviously. Certainly. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Certainly for Justin Fields to come into uh, your first start, obviously being on the road, being in Cleveland and being in a stadium, you know, in a state, you know, where you had a lot of, you know, history, you know, you're loved, you're beloved in the state of Ohio. Um, so certainly going to be a lot of emotion for him. Um, but again, look, you know, the Bears can't do this, you know, much longer with Andy Dalton, whether it's by injury or whether it's not. Matt Nagy, it's a gift that you get a second quarterback as a head coach because uh, it's not like he's really been lighting the world on fire anyway. Um, so the question would be is, you know, what are you tying your career to, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields? We know what Andy Dalton is in the NFL. Um, I myself, I have a pretty good feeling about what Justin Fields is going to be in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if Matt Nagy wants to continue to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears, he needs – Justin Fields to be what a lot of people think Justin Fields can be in the NFL. Yes, and that has been the thought and feeling of uh, pretty much every Bear fan since the first preseason game, you know, is that uh, we, we go out there and, and Andy Dalton can't get a first down. Uh, he was three and outs on the two or three uh, uh, drives that he had against the, against the Dolphins in the first game. Then Andy Dalton, or excuse me, then Justin Fields comes out. He scored like two touchdowns. He ran for one. He threw for another, you know, uh, with the four fives and sixes or whatever uh, out there on the on the team, you know, just lighting it up. And then he comes out the following week against Buffalo, does it all over again on both sides. Both Andy Dalton and Justin Fields perform uh, basically the same as they did the week before. Uh, uh, Dalton struggles. And, you know, Justin Fields goes out there with whoever they throw out there with him. All of a sudden, they're moving the chains, scoring points. I mean, he scored, I think, collectively over the three games in the preseason, like 30 points uh, mm-hmm. as the quarterback of the team. And Andy Dalton had one touchdown pass uh, in the in the preseason that was more so a play that the receiver made than it was like just a dime of a throw. I mean, it was still a good throw, one that we were not used to seeing from, uh, you know, Mitch or Nick Foles or – Chase Daniel uh, in the Matt Nagy 
uh, era. It was a good throw, but it was 99% Rodney Adams and 1% Andy Dalton actually getting the ball <laughs> there. So it's like ever since we started seeing the pre, you know, them play in live action, Justin Fields is exciting. You know, the offense is moving. There's possibilities on the feet through the air. And then Andy Dalton comes out there. I mean, and truthfully, I didn't think Andy Dalton was getting a fair shake because Matt Nagy was throwing him out there with nobody that he played with week one against the Rams. He wasn't going out there with the starters. He was going out there with guys like none of the guys he threw passes to in the preseason made the team, Jeff. Not one mm-hmm. guy made the team. And that's who he's out there having live reps with in the preseason. So I was like, I didn't think Andy Dalton got a fair shake. However, Justin Fields is out there with the same guys lighting it up. So that's got to count for something. And now we get to see what it looks like when when Fields has had a full week of practice with the starters so he can you know, work on some of the timing issues that they were having against the Bengals and, and all that. And we get to see an entire game plan around Justin Fields versus the handful of packaged plays that he was going in for against the Bengals and week one against the uh, Rams. So it, it could be very interesting. And, and I'm interested to see how he's going to, or how the Browns are going to handle him. Are they going to be able to eat, a, eat, a, eat up on, on the rookie quarterback because he's out there doing rookie things? Or can it be like Tyrod Taylor where a mobile quarterback gave you guys some trouble there in the first half of the game before he pulled a hammy? Well, for the Browns, the, their defense, they want to start playing more dime. Mm-hmm. They played 18 snaps in dime last week, which is the highest they've played in dime since Joe Woods has been defense coordinator here. He's wanted to do it. He's talked about his love for safeties. He's talked about wanting to play three safeties. Last year, they lost Grant Elbit in the summer. Andrew Sandejo, that just went ter- terribly bad. Carl yeah. Joseph, there were some highlights, but otherwise lackluster performances. Luckily, they made the move of the summer last year for Ronnie Harrison. He actually turned out to be a pretty good player. But there were injuries, and there was time missed for Ronnie Harrison which certainly didn't help. So, you know, Joe Woods was a lot of time was forced into playing what he had, not necessarily what he wanted. Week one, again, got into a situation where he was playing what he had, not what he wanted. Grant Delpit didn't dress. Ronnie Harrison got ejected early in the game. Now, this week, they started, they got our first look at Grant Delpit, and we saw a little bit of everything. You know, he had a blitz sack, um, had another play with a quarterback, broke containment. He made that play, annihilated, uh, you know, a running back on a run play. Can he accelerates really, really quick towards the line of scrimmage? The Browns want to be faster on defense. This is a team that understands to possibly play in an AFC championship game, to possibly play in a Super Bowl. They've got to contend and beat the Baltimore Ravens, contend and beat the Buffalo Bills, contend and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You need speed and athleticism on your defense to do that. Their linebackers are simply not capable of it. The ideal defense for them would be to play three safeties, John Johnson the third. Ronnie Harrison, um, Grant Elpit, play Denzel Ward, play Greg Newsom, play Troy Hill, and maybe have a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa or a Malcolm Smith as your linebacker in dime situations, which means you are really athletic, really fast on the, t- on, the, on the field. You are getting these quarterbacks who have good mobility running east and west, not running north and south. And even if they do, now they're runners. And this is why Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa was such a great acquisition for them is he doesn't care. I mean, this guy would literally light up his mom in a Thanksgiving backyard <laughs> game if the opportunity was there. Yeah. And if you get now you get players with that mentality saying, wait, I can do this to a quarterback and there's going to be no penalty. Um, and this is what they're striving for. Now, originally, you know, looking at the Bears, if it was Andy Dalton, this maybe wouldn't have been the defensive matchup that he would have truly maybe been using. Yeah. But Justin Fields comes in here 
And, you know, look, as far as, you know, nobody's on the Lamar Jackson, you know, stage as far as being a quarterback who runs. Yeah. Um, but Justin Fields, he's certainly not in the middle of the pack. He's certainly closer towards the top. There's Lamar and everybody else. But, you know, Justin Fields has the potential to be that maybe that next group up with his legs. Not that he needs them. It's a nice thing to have. Um, but this is where, you know, Joe Woods' vision of what modern day NFL is. You want to be athletic. You want to be fast. There's no difference between a six foot, two and a half, 235 pound linebacker or a six foot one, you know, nine tenths inches safety who weighs 225, but is, you know, two tenths of a second faster. Yeah. Get the faster guys on the field. Um, and that's exactly what Joe Woods is trying to do. It looks like now he's finally got the opportunity. He's finally got the personnel to do it. They're all healthy. They're all ready to go. Knock on wood. And now maybe with Justin Fields, this is maybe more of what he wants to do, the scheme he wants to run, suiting what the Bears are going to trot out under center on Sunday. How are your how are your guys as tacklers? Because that's one of the big concerns that we have in Chicago is that our defensive backs, or at least our safeties, <coughs> Eddie Jackson, um, can't tackle <laughs> to save their lives. So if you're putting six guys out there in a dime uh, package, and even a hybrid like uh, Awusu Koromoa, um, you know, how are they, if God forbid the bears use David Montgomery against this, against this setup, you get through that line of scrimmage and it's David Montgomery versus a DB. I'll take that match all day, match up all day long. Are they good tacklers? Will they be able to, uh, bring him down? Cause that would be a huge concern for us as bear fans. If it was flipped the other way and we've got to play, you know, six DBs against, uh, Nick Chubb and, you know, try to bring him down with just one guy in our defensive backfield. The sample size isn't great on all these guys. Ronnie Harrison's a pretty good tackler. John Johnson, the third has a reputation, although really has played thus far through two games, hasn't been stellar. Grant Delpit, there was that one spell at LSU where he played in a high ankle sprain for three weeks and he wasn't fantastic. Um, and everybody just tried to, you know, erase three years of great tape for three weeks where the guy was playing injured. And to be completely honest, if it wasn't a national championship run, everybody and their mother would have probably advised Grant Elpit to not play until he was 100 percent. Um, probably certainly risked himself a first round uh, you know, selection. That's mm-hmm. how he probably ended up in the second round. Um, but, you know, Jeremiah Uscormo, he's solid. But the thing is, and this is where you can kind of get away with this a little bit when you're playing is everybody's so much faster to the ball. Yeah. So look, even if you ding them, even if you're hanging on by a thread, you got company company coming quickly. And, you know, that's the whole philosophy of the, you know, behind this is, you know, there's certain things you're going to give up and you understand you're giving up because you're trying to go a little bit faster on the field, but you know, you can't have, you know, and use the chiefs as example, you can't have the Kansas City Chiefs going at you and going five plays and under every drive. Yeah, You just can't. It'll demoralize you. It'll bury a game. So what you want to do, and you saw the Ravens do it beautifully, absolutely beautifully against the Kansas City Chiefs, was we're going to make you run as many plays as possible. And we're going to try to, we're going to, try to score with you, but you're going to make at least one mistake. And hopefully that one mistake you make will be the, the difference. You know, The one mistake the Chiefs made was they took the hands out of the greatest player in the NFL right now which is the dumbest thing you could possibly do, but they did it and the ball got loose. Ravens got it back and got the opportunity to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, interesting watching that one uh, unfold and, and for it to, to go down the way it did there uh, at the end, the, you know, the Ravens clinging to a, to a one point lead and, and them, you know, handing off the ball, trying to, 
basically run out the clock to set up a field goal attempt, and whoops, the the running back fumbles the football, and there it is. The game's over now. You know, you're all out, you're all out of timeouts, and you know, all of a sudden you were you're down by one point, and now the ball game is over. We're going to win. It's it's done now, and it's uh, it was strange to to watch it go down uh, the way that it did. And you know, speaking of the Chiefs game, I, I watched Week One uh, against the against the Browns um, because the Bears saved their Week One embarrassment for national television uh, that week. That was awesome, by the way. Um, but you want to know what though? But it's Sunday night on Week One. Everybody was so taxed out from games all day, <laughs> so maybe a lot of folks didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it broke records actually. But um, <laughs> you know, but it, you know, it, it's it's funny because just like what what I said after the two games this week was that I don't think the final score really tells how the game actually went. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't just three points better than the Bengals on Sunday. You know, that rookie mistake that Justin Fields was the difference there. Like I twenty to ten is probably more of an acceptable outcome for the way that that game was played. Yes, the Rams scored 34 points, but I don't think they were 20 points better than us uh, on Sunday. For the for outside of those two big plays that resulted in those touchdowns, you're looking much more at a like a one score 20 to 14 kind of outcome as opposed to the 34 to 14 thrashing that it, that showed up on the scoreboard. And um, you know, week one against the against the Chiefs, you had a night and day uh, kind of game in the first half. It was all Browns uh, running the football, doing whatever you wanted at will. Twenty-two to ten at halftime in you know in Arrowhead, one of the toughest places to play. And then in the second half, they started chipping away at it. And then the fourth quarter with the with the botched uh, the punt uh, that you know that that can't happen. But uh, you know that happens. You know what? What? What was the difference there? But before the punt happens, and that's basically where the beginning of the end there and start of the second half. What was it that the Chiefs were able to do that they couldn't in the first half? I think the the Chiefs just kind of you know went to you know basically what they did, and they had to understand you know oh my God they're basically playing prevent defense, which the Browns were. You know Ronnie Harrison got ejected. Grant Delpit wasn't playing. You're back to playing Mac Wilson, which nobody on the Browns really wants to do. They're playing MJ Stewart, who didn't practice basically the entire summer. And, you know, he made the final cuts and everybody was like kind of like surprised. He made the final cuts because he can play safety and he can play cornerback. And at the time, Grant Delpit wasn't healthy. Um, so like they like it was like he kind of got kept because it's like, oh, well, you can play special teams, you can play safety, you can play corner. And it was one of those things where he's a guy that's on the fringe of being on the final 53. But, oh, wait, he can do a bunch of things. So it gave, it gave him an advantage. to. So the Browns were back to basically playing the same defense that was on the field when they lost to Kansas City in the last game of you know the season, uh, you know, in the playoffs in 2020. Um, and honestly, the biggest crusher of it all was Nick Chubb's fumble. Because, you know, if there's anybody on this team, you can live with making a mistake because he is the hardest working guy in the facility. He's as talented. He does everything he's asked. He's productive. It's Nick Chubb um, for Nick Chubb to fumble. And, you know, it, you know, I think that the Chiefs got it somewhere around, the, you know, the 45 of the Browns. The Browns had run off 30 yards before Nick Chubb fumbled that ball. So they were right back at it, you know, you know pedal to the metal. And, you know, you let Kansas City back in and then, you know, your punter doesn't feel the snap. Granted, his first punt of the year, whatever, opening day jitters. And it wasn't a complete botch. He still could have got the punt off, didn't. And you give the NFL's best quarterback the ball at the 12-yard line. 
Um, brutal. I mean, for me, you know, and the thing is, is I found a lot of people who seem to be really upset about the loss, but I can't find anybody that predicted the Browns to win that game. And the final words we had when we closed out our pregame show for that week was, I don't care about the Kansas City Chiefs matchup in week 21, week one. I worry about the Kansas City Chiefs potential matchup in week 21. Yeah, that's what it was about. And if they had won that game, who knows? Maybe the Chiefs are more fueled up, fired up if they see the Browns in the playoffs. Well, you know, it'll maybe we'll never know. But, you know, for me, it's more about facing the Kansas City Chiefs in January as opposed as opposed to what it was week one. We saw the Browns could probably do a lot of good things against Kansas City Chiefs if they do meet each other again. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. They are the standard in the AFC for now. It was a tough loss because it felt I mean, I, I still feel like I mean, you they lost the game. They should have won. There's no other way to say it. There's right. no other way to put it. They should have won that game. But, look, you get 17 of them. And the thing that hurts the Browns here a little bit is you can't give one back now against one of these teams that you're supposed to beat. If you pull that one off, it's like, all right, we may lay a flat tire somewhere against the opponent that's not as good as us. And then maybe it'll be okay because we stole week one against Kansas City. But now it just puts the emphasis and the focus more on, guys, you know, you this can't happen again. We had the top dog in the AFC on the ropes you know, ready to finish them. And it didn't happen. So if you ever got any questions late in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, again, about what's going on, uh, we're not doing this again. We are finishing these games that we are supposed to win. Which should, uh, you know, which does not spell well for, for the rest of the league. If the, uh, the Browns can prevent something like that from happening again, you know, like you said, the, the silver lining to, to losing that game week one is, uh, you know, number one, it is week one, and, and number two, it was on the road, and number three, uh, we're not going to let that happen again. Let you know, the, well, it's, the a, it's a lesson learned. It, yeah, you look at it this way. Like I said, you're competing with the Baltimore Ravens, you're competing with the Kansas City Chiefs, you're competing with the Buffalo Bills. All four of these teams right now are one and one. So whatever happened to Kansas City doesn't matter now. Whatever happens for the next fifteen is what matters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, looking forward to this. Um, to this game on Sunday, like you talked about, hostile, hostile environment. I did get to to catch a little bit of the Cleveland game, like during commercials, because you guys were playing the same time that we were yep. uh, on Sunday. And thanks um, for that win, by the way. No I problem. Lived, I couldn't have lived. Hey, actually, thank you for reminding me. Thank you for reminding me. I think I brought this up over the summer, but the Bears are in search of their third consecutive AFC North championship uh, because we swept the division in 2013 and again. In, in 2017, and we're off on the good on the on a good start with the with the victory. So we're nine and zero against the AFC North since I hope 2013. You go three and one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, we, we it's like we've 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 cleared quote unquote the easiest hurdle uh, of the AFC North uh, for 2021. Well, you know, actually, you might be right because uh, I I'm, I wasn't all imp- at all impressed with what I saw from Pittsburgh uh, in uh, in the Raiders game, like at all. Um, no. so, um, but you know, and obviously we saw what the Ravens did against the chiefs, um, uh, on, on Sunday night, but, uh, you know, now I think we have the toughest hurdle to clear here with, with you guys and we got them back to back. So I think if we get the win here, we get Baltimore in Chicago and then we go to Pittsburgh, who I think, uh, aside from maybe Chris Carter of locked on Steelers, everyone does not have <laughs> a, a high opinion of what the Steelers are going to produce in 2021, um, you know, we, we might, uh, if, we, if we clear this hurdle, I think we're in good shape to, uh, to get there uh, once again Chris in 2021. Bre- we, we did an interdivisional show, and Chris Carter 
I think the Browns are going to win nine games. I said, with an extra game on the schedule, you think they're going to lose? <laughs> they're they're going to lose. They're going to win two less games with an extra game on the schedule. I love Chris to death, and I know that's why these Steelers listeners love him. But, uh, oh, my Lord. Oh, my. I, I, I mean, and they literally had to cut us off because we could have went on for another 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, when, <laughs> when, I, had him, when I had him on um, – you know, he was because they won the division last year. He was the last of the AFC North people that I spoke to. I went in order in in, in reverse order and in order of finish. So the Steelers came up last. And you know, talking to you, talking to um, Kevin Ostriker from Locked On mm-hmm. Ravens, and I and I spoke with uh, Lindsey Patterson from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Talking to the three of you before talking to him, it's like all three of you were like, "Yeah, don't know about the Steelers." This year, and then he comes in. He's like, "Najee Harris is going to change everything. We're gonna, we're gonna be back to running the football and doing this and blah 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 and so on and so 2. forth." Two point nine yards per carry, baby. <laughs> yeah, when so. you don't have an offensive line, God knows the first thing you do is invest a first round pick in a running back. There you go. It's just, it's just how you do it. So, um, but anyway, you know, I, I'm looking forward to 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 this game on on Sunday. I really want to see how Justin Fields is going to respond to this, and I don't think it's going to be a problem of the pressure getting to him because uh, no. he's been in the biggest games that there are a in the big 10. He's in the, the fiercest rivalry that there is in, 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 in college in, well, certainly in, in the Midwest for sure, the Ohio state Michigan. And he made that look easy for the two, three years. He was the quarterback uh, out there. He's played in national championships games. He, he beat Trevor Lawrence should have beat him twice actually. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a pressure thing. I think it's just going to be a matter of what the Browns are able to do uh against him to maybe rattle him in, in some kind of way uh that way but it's like I'm very interested to see how he's going to handle it all and, and take it in so maybe after getting somewhat of an ovation from the from the Cleveland and oh, slash Ohio faithful when he takes the field or gets introduced um I think you, you mentioned this before we had to start over again uh it's, he's going to be the enemy once he actually walks out on the field and takes the first snap Look, and that's just the way it's going to go, and Cleveland fans will love him afterwards. Right. Um, but the thing is, you have a defensive line here right now, and you know you won't really say it because it's only two games. You won't really say it because the potential is there to be great. But through two games, this defensive line, you know, there's, the Browns have two sacks. Week one, Miles Garrett got to Patrick Mahomes late when it really, really mattered. Huge key sack. Week two, defensive line didn't get home. The only sack they had, Grant Elpit on a blitz. But they barely got home. And look, Tyrod Taylor is great once he's outside of the pocket. Yeah. He's not that fantastically quick inside the pocket. Nobody's going to confuse him for Lamar Jackson. Uh, Davis Mills was just like, get me the ball and let me get the hell out of my hands before I get killed. Um, but this is going to be a thing. And I, I know there's talk going on. And, and I know it's been mentioned to this defensive line. You know, look, a lot of people are talking about our coverage right now. But we thought we could maybe play a little off, play a little lax in coverage because we thought we were going to generate a ton of pass rush. Right. And to this point, I mean, Kansas City, they got back there a lot, but Patrick Mahomes with those arm angles and everything he does, it's just tough. I mean, it's just tough to get there. Um, but now you got a rookie making his first start in the road, you know, on the road in Cleveland. And now this is, you're coming to Cleveland, you know, this fan base again, they, you know, they yell now at the other team. They don't yell at their own team. Right. So they'll be ready to go. They're going to be jacked up. And you know, as much as I love Justin Fields, I just think, I mean, this is a really, really tough situation. You never want to see any rookie quarterback who all of this pressure is on. And there's certainly a lot there with Justin Fields to have this kind of be that first bump in the road. 
and you know this first start because it could potentially be a bump in the road. Am I worried about Justin Fields long term? By no means whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's going to be a great player for the Bears for a long, long time. Knock on but wood. this is a tough one because this defensive line is aggravated. Um, and now they're being kind of pushed a little bit because, hey, we expected more. We know there's more from you. Oh, and by the way, we're going to bring up another pass rusher from the practice squad because, and this is just another sign of we don't think we're getting exactly what we need here. Um, so, you know, not that Miles Garrett's under any pressure or Jadavian Clowney, but for Attack McKinley, uh, you know, for a Joe Jackson, their third and fourth defensive ends, maybe there's a poke there. And by bringing somebody up from the practice squad, what you're telling these other guys is, hey, Maybe somebody's not dressing next week. Right. So, you know, everybody, are you going to do it? You're going to take a step up because we need some people to step up around here. And it certainly has to start with this defensive line group because the potential of this defensive line group, as far as pass rushers, should be the expectation should be top in the NFL as far as total sacks. And for right now, they got one through two, two games. Yeah, it's it's always been interesting, you know, especially as as a guy who's a fan of a team that has lived and died by its defense historically. Uh, yes. you, you've always kind of wondered, you know, it's it's that chicken in the egg thing. Does the pass rush make the, the coverage better or does the coverage make the pass rush uh, better? Uh, it's 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 a lot easier for defenses across the board when the answer is both. You know, when your mm-hmm. coverage helps the, you know, when, when the coverage helps the rush or when the rush helps the coverage, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's easy to look good in, in, in pass coverage when uh, your opposing quarterback barely has two seconds to get rid of the football and it's uh it's hard not to get to the quarterback when your coverage is so good you've got four seconds to get to the quarterback uh kind of thing but it's it's uh you know it's it's trying to find that that symbiosis between the two yeah the balance so that you're maybe cutting that down to like two and a half or something uh like that on on both sides to uh to be able to be uh, uh productive so i mean that's uh, what I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen on Sunday because I'm also wondering which Bears offensive line is is going to show up. Are we going to get that balance? Because on one drive, you know, they can block anybody that's coming in the pass rush. Jason Peters looks like the old All Pro tackle uh, that he made his. You know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer based on what he did no in doubt. his time in Philadelphia and all that kind of stuff. Can we get a few more shades of that uh, before he hangs it up? Uh, for good, will we be able to, you know, block the the rush that's coming, or will it be, you know, that sieve that just keeps getting through, and and all of a sudden we're springing out of the pocket uh, and we're playing backyard ball uh, and things like that. And then on the flip side, will it be the offensive line that opens up these holes that make Montgomery look like the next Walter Payton, or will it be that offensive line that, you know, all of a sudden we we couldn't. You know, we couldn't block a boulder. You know what I mean? It just, it's some wondering which one of those offensive lines is going to show up and can we have some level of consistency where we can have success doing both things enough to be effective uh, against a good football team like the Browns? It's, it, it's, it's the yin and the yang. And, you yeah. know, I mean, I think sometimes you, you get your offensive line where, you know, and a lot of it is, is like, hey, here's the game plan. And this is probably what the, the game plan is going to be this week, you know, with Justin Fields having his first start. We want to run the ball, you know, and, every, you know, coaches, oh, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run it successfully. Okay. What happens if it doesn't work in your first couple of drives and all of a sudden you're looking at a 13, nothing, 16, nothing game, 17, nothing game. Well, the game plan we got is thrown out the window and you know, we geared up all week, you know, having a successful run game. Now it's not going to matter because we don't have the opportunity to run the ball anymore. Uh, it's tough. And, you know, for, you know, in, in 
not everybody has the luxury that the Cleveland Browns do where they have an offensive line that excels in pass pro excels in, you know, the run game has a guy who is going to be a hall of fame coach one day as an offensive line coach in Bill Callahan. And it's tough. And because, you know, the last thing you also want to do is, you know, have any, you have your rookie quarterback out there with any doubts or any concerns about exactly what his offensive line play is going to do. Right. You know, he's got to make sure he's got all, you know, his chin strap buckled, you know, make sure he's got everybody aligned correctly. All of this while 25 seconds are going off the clock, make sure he gets a snap, make sure he gets every, you know, and all that is predicated on the offensive line doing exactly what they need to do. Right. Uh, You know, a lot of live bullets. And, you know, it's not that Justin Fields hasn't played with superior talent because he most certainly has. Um, but there is that, you know, you know, basically new kid being dropped off to school when you, you know, you go from being one of the best quarterbacks in college to being a quarterback in the NFL. You know, right now he is Justin Fields. He's a quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares what he did at Ohio State. Nobody cares how great he was. Nobody cares about that Clemson game where he went out there and basically was, you know, basically wheezing for 23 seconds. Right. And then for six seconds would run a great play. And the next 23 seconds, he'd be wheezing all over again, trying to catch his breath. None of that matters now. And, you know, again, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. But, you know, those firsts of anything, you know, that the, the, everything the first. And now that it's his first time as a starter and he's not viewed as a gimmick player. And basically now here, kid, you know, hey, Matt Nagy's future is in your hands. The future of this <laughs> franchise for the next decade is in your hands. Go get it, kid. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited to find out what it's going to be like uh, on Sunday. Uh, and as I mentioned at the top of the, of the show, absolutely floored that they announced this today cannot believe it that they did because uh naggy was starting to get as bad if not worse than lovey smith uh with how um closed off and and you know the whole gamesmanship thing not not giving the opponent anything as far as like what they can look forward to uh on sunday even though lovey had a really great i can tell you this the little bit i heard about was is the browns said we are planning for justin fields and it was the old theory of you know you're facing a pitcher who's got a really good curveball but not such a great fastball. Yeah. Look for the curveball. You'll foul off the fastball. The Browns were going the Browns game plan going into today at practice was Justin Fields. They don't need to game plan for Andy Dalton. They've been there, done it, bought the t-shirt. Um <laughs> Justin Fields is new territory for them. Yeah. And I get that. I do. Um but I like I said it's it's still because on Monday on but Monday yeah, I think you need to do it for the kid. Yeah. I think you need to do well, you it. You know, for that's Justin a good point. Fields. That's a good point. Because what I was saying when I was doing the my my review show, uh, I review uh, you know I did the review episode on, on Monday, talking about it, and I was like I've never really seen the virtue of trying you know this this closed off thing, the gamesmanship thing. I think it's cowardly actually to you know like if you have any confidence in your team, you're going to tell them you know not going to give them the X's and O's, but like yeah, we plan on running the ball on Sunday or this is going to be our starter. We're going to have this kid in he's there. Ready. He's going to be Plain healthy and all Justin that kind of stuff. Starting Sunday, he's ready. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So I was like I I I players aren't stupid. Players know like, you know, uh we're not going to run with Andy Dalton for 10 12. Eventually, even if they don't want to, this kid is going to be starting and yeah. you know, when's it going to be? Yeah. So I mean, it's just um but I'm still surprised that they went ahead. <laughs> Uh, that they went ahead and did it. Uh, you know, I, I think it was uh, a surprising uh, turnabout when I when I got the alerts today that yep. Bears named Fields the starters. Like, what? I I thought this might happen on Friday, that we would hear on Friday after Andy Dalton hasn't practiced on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday when the when the injury designations come out on Friday, probable, yep. you know, doubtful, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's when we would be like, oh, 
Well, he's doubtful. He hasn't practiced yet this week, so Justin Fields is going to be the starter on Friday. But doing it today, I think it's it's uh, like what you said. It's just the kid's the starter. We're going forward with him. We're confident with him. Let's let's go ahead uh, and roll. It still didn't stop me from being surprised about it, though, because Nagy's such a clown when it comes to, to that kind of thing. When they asked him on Monday, he was like, I'm not going to answer that based on scheme. It's like, what? What are you talking about? Based on so like that, whatever. That sounds a lot familiar to a certain Mr. Hugh Jackson where, you know, it, it would be the Monday presser of, you know, we got to watch the tape. You didn't watch the tape yet? Yeah. It's like Monday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. What did what, you do for the last 24 hours? Because everybody <laughs> else in the NFL is watching tape, Hugh. Just, yeah, everybody you know. else in the NFL is watching tape for the next opponent. Not yeah, they to, already watched yesterday's yeah. game. They are on to the – yes, they are on to this week's opponent <laughs> – yeah, well, like you guys, the game was over at, at 3 o'clock. You guys weren't watching tape from, you know, like during dinner yeah. yesterday? We all, yeah, exactly. What did we all do? We had a nice little buffet. Where we go? You know, <laughs> cocktails. So so talk to me about this this running game that I'm terrified of uh, right now. I mean, I know that Chick, Nick Chubb is the man, that he's definitely the one person that we have to worry about. What I'm worried about more so is the the two of that one-two punch uh, in Kareem Hunt. What's his consistently consistency been like? Uh, in the small sample size of the first two games of this year. Well, this is actually where it's been interesting. And, you know, they're, they got to, I know they're close in carry amount. And this is, and they're really, really smart because once they put this investment in Nick Chubb, you know, and giving him the contract extension. And one thing they learned about last year when Nick Chubb was out for a little bit is, you know, if they weren't sure how important Nick Chubb was to this team, they certainly understood once Nick Chubb was out. Right. Because Nick Chubb, everything is just so smooth. And it's breaking tackles. It's avoiding tackles. It's embarrassing would-be tacklers. Last week, it was 11 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown. That's all he needed. You know, when everybody, oh, well, Derek, you know, they want to talk about all these other running backs. If you gave Nick Chubb the amount of carries Derek Henry got, yeah, Nick Chubb, he'd, he would probably break the rushing title. And it wouldn't even be close. And it's great for, you know, that, you know what, that he holds it. It's fantastic. But, you know, Nick Chubb gets such fewer touches and he is just so much more efficient, smooth, calm, collective. And the thing about him is there's nothing else in his life but you know, carrying the ball, football, practice, weight room work. He's a pleasure to watch. Kareem, it's a little bit different. It's like a helter-skelter type of thing. <laughs> like Kareem sometimes will look for contact. Like I think kind of like it gets him going early. Yeah. You know, Kareem's a guy who likes to jog, gets involved a little bit. You know, and likes to get into you know two, three guys on him, and and pushing for that extra yard or two. The thing that's been a little surprising, and this is probably something to watch for on Sunday, is Kareem Hunt hasn't been involved very much yet in the passing game, and that's kind of always been his calling card. Is this and you know where there's a difference between him and Nick Chubb? Yes, Nick is the better pure runner, but Kareem is the is the better diverse back, is where he can contribute in both aspects. And they really haven't tapped that yet because the Browns are really, really deep. And maybe almost, almost maybe it's a fault right now how deep they are at guys who can contribute at wide receiver, at tight end, and at running back. You lose. I mean, look about it this way: the Browns are coming into this game losing Jar- Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? They're bringing Odell Beckham Jr. back. Like, I mean, you talk about like how many teams do this? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's crazy to think. It's like. Oh, well, Jarvis is down. Oh, but Odell just went full practice on a Wednesday, which means that's all systems go, that he should be go to go, ready to go yeah. You know, after the game on Sunday. Their sixth-round pick, Demetrik Felton, we every, had a nice summer, produced in preseason games, 
we weren't sure when we were really going to see him. And guess what? Um, not only was he a running back at UCLA, he was a wide receiver for a couple of years at UCLA. All right, so we need a slot receiver now. He's got the experience. We're going to throw him the quick smoke screen. First touch in the NFL, breaks some tackles, 360, 33 yards for a touchdown, catches another ball later in the game, 18 yards, two receptions, 51 yards, over 100, uh, 100 total yards between return game as a receiver. They just have so much going on. Um, and you have this great offensive line. And Baker, and we'll see how it works this week with Odell coming back mm-hmm. because it's not ever been perfect of the Browns succeeding because it's really, really difficult as quarterback to know Odell Beckham Jr. is out there and say, well, well, this guy's just so wide open. I know Odell's open, but this guy's really wide open. I'm just going to throw it to him instead, which is the right play. It's the right thing to do. Um, but it's really hard as a quarterback to know when somebody is, uh, is elite and is skilled as Baker, as Odell Beckham to, to not throw it that way. Mm-hmm. But Baker is percentage wise, but any, you know, anything you want to go to any metric you know percentage statistic he is better when he just takes the ball finds the open guy and throws it to him so we'll see how it works with Odell coming back to the fold this week um but they are very very deep at the skill position and you know unlike you know Allen Robinson who's in Chicago just like my god can you just get me somebody I don't care just get me somebody who can get me the ball mm-hmm. you know the Browns have a hundred guys right now and everybody's kind of like kind of okay with the small sample size they're going to get. Yeah. Um, and the only way that keeps working though, is if you win, right. You, you know, something happens, you start losing games, you know, look, guys are guys. They get paid a lot of money. They get paid to produce. If you're not winning, things don't necessarily go that way. They can keep winning. Yes. Then yeah. You know, everybody's a lot happier, a lot more, you know, a lot more harmony, so to speak. Right. In the room. <laughs> this episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by the Spotify green room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And of course. I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> I know what you mean, man, because uh, the one thing that's got me excited about Justin Fields and the prospect. He him, throws the ball down the field. Oh, just that pass that he threw to Robinson. Um, yep. You know, I, I made the joke. I don't know if I posted it on Twitter. Maybe I did. I was like, are our receivers dropping the ball because the ball is actually where it's supposed to be? 
Like they're just not used to that after years of I thought Alan Robinson was going to get up, stand up, and just start singing, you know, hallelujah. Because, like, this is who I am. Why can't we? Why do I know this? Everybody in the world knows this, but yet we can't get this done. Yeah. So, and it doesn't matter if two people are on me. I'm still open. Just yeah. throw it in the right spot. Just throw the ball. It. Put it in the spot. And and Fields could, you know, uh, it's it's amazing what I've seen him do. The I mean, I, I don't know if you saw, uh, maybe you saw it on SportsCenter because it was quite the highlight. The way that he thread the needle in the preseason against the Titans where he put it in a window about like yep. a four-by-four-inch window and got to our tight end for that touchdown just before I tell you what, halftime. That, that throw, that throw, and if you go back further – Look for it wasn't his last year at Ohio State. It was the first year at Ohio State. He threw one to his tight end mm-hmm. for a touchdown at Ohio, and it was the same exact thing. It was like the old drill, you know, where everybody's waving all the pads in front, and mm-hmm. he found every nook. And, and I mean, <laughs> he he's got it. He, yeah, I mean, he can throw darts. And for me, it would never have been a contest. You yeah, know, I, I don't care if Andy Dalton's here. I don't care if Nick Foles is here. You complain, you complain. I'll cut you. My future is Justin Fields. Yeah. I don't care about anything else but getting Justin Fields ready to go out there and play. And look, would you be one and one most likely if you started Justin Fields out of the gate? Probably. Yeah, yeah. big defensive touchdown. Yeah. yeah. So what do we waste our time for? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I'm I'm excited about the prospect of like him getting the job done and what that can do for who it will attract to Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, like the if if Allen well, Robinson and, and you also keep in mind that, you know, Two of the top wide receivers in the potential twenty-two, exactly. you know, are from yeah Ohio State. Well, that and the fact that there's a guy in Green Bay called Devontae Adams who may be looking for a new home uh, next sure. year. You know, would he just want to go a few miles south to Chicago to play with the next exciting quarterback in the NFL and really stick it to the Packers uh, and things like that? Who knows? You know, that kind of thing, but. Um, I just, uh, I'm really excited to see what, what the potential for him, uh, is. And, um, you know, you, the, the, the offensive line that you guys have had is, is obviously what's making most of this possible for you guys. But like you mentioned with the skill players, you guys are three deep at tight end with Njoku, with, um, with Hooper and, Harrison Bryant. Bryant, that's it. The the third one, and you know, bringing Odell back of uh, this one, you know, I, I think that he's going to get a lot of attention because he's OBJ. But I, like I said, I watched that Week One game against the Chiefs, and that kid Schwartz, who has a name like he should be my CPA doing my taxes, but instead he was <laughs> out there as a lightning bug against the against the Chiefs, and and you know he had an excellent game uh, when he was getting himself. The ball. I mean, you wouldn't think with a name like Anthony Schwartz that he would, you know, you would see him on the field. You know, you would see him on the field massaging someone's cramp. You know, between plays, not uh, you know being being dangerous in the open field like he was against the Chiefs. Well, and this is actually funny because um, you know two years ago during the draft process, uh, Jacob Phillips, who's currently on IR for the Browns with a bicep injury, I pegged him early in the draft process, like two months early. This is a Brown, the guys, this is a guy the Browns will be interested in, drafted him in the third round. Anthony Schwartz, I came back, I brought off that tweet. And Anthony Schwartz, because Anthony Schwartz, when he gets on the field, Odell, solid NFL wide receiver. We know this. Jarvis Landry, solid NFL wide receiver. Neither one of these guys can run sub 4-3. Right. And it does not matter. And, you know, the Chiefs, they were like, all right, well, who's this kid, number 10, da-da-da-da-da. And then once he went for almost 80 yards in the first half of total offense, 
wherever Anthony Schwartz was, there was a guy lined up on him. Yeah. But that guy was about 19 yards off the line of scrimmage. Like, we can't run with this guy. And, you know, it just it is such a difference maker. His week two obviously was a little rough. Donovan Peoples-Jones is their biggest, um, you know, most physically, you know, gifted as far as physique. He had a great summer. It hasn't translated yet. And now they're in this spot where, you know, and it's been a couple of times. 2018, they had some injury issues at the wide receiver position. All right, well, Rashard Higgins did really well. He has a great rapport with Baker Mayfield. 2019, it didn't go well. Last year, Odell went down. Oh, it's like old reliable. Oh, we'll put Rashard Higgins back in there. Oh, guess what? Guy goes for almost 800 yards receiving. And it seems like the Browns are maybe in this spot again where it's like, well, you know, the kids, they're not where we need them to be. Odell, obviously the attention is going to be on them. What do we do? You put in Rashard Higgins. It's like, you know, death taxes, Rashard Higgins. Yeah. He and Baker like, have this rapport. And look, Rashard Higgins got offered more money two years ago in the offseason to play other places, stayed with the Browns. Got offered more money this offseason to go play other places, stayed with the Browns and stayed with Baker Mayfield. This is how good the relationship is. And Rashard Higgins now is basically banking on his marriage, um, his son, that is, you know, his newborn son. That you know, it, it's Baker Mayfield that's going to basically be his golden goose to yeah. more money, and it seems like again here it is the Browns are in another spot where it's like, well, uh, why don't we just put Rashard in more? And I, I have a feeling, you know, not a lot of people are going to talk about it. Rashard Higgins could probably be a big, big key player on Sunday for the Browns. Was well, speaking of of Odell, did did you give any weight to the whole? Um, I don't know if it was Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith, somebody was basically saying that, uh, you know, Baker is better without OBJ based on how the team did when he got hurt uh, last year. So any any dread about OBJ coming back? I mean, even with Jarvis Landry gone, obviously OBJ becomes the primary focus. But, you know, any dread about having him back because he and Baker statistically were worse together than they were apart? Look, you can look at it this way, and you can't deny the fact. The numbers are different when Odell's on the field and Baker Mayfield statistics to when they're not. It, it, there's just no way around it. Yeah. And look, Baker Mayfield right now is completing 81 point whatever of his passes. So now keep in mind, all of week two, Jarvis Landry played two plays and Baker completed 90% of his passes. So no o Odell, no Jarvis Landry. You can't deny those numbers. I mean, you know, we live in a world where things are broken down into such an analytic fashion if you if you're going to dismiss them, then then you're just blind to it. You cannot get away from that. But even still, you go back to last year and a little bit of it. Their first win last year was Thursday night game week two against Cincinnati Bengals. How did that whole party get started against Cincinnati Bengals? Baker rolling left, hitting Odell, 45 yards for a touchdown. They went down to Dallas, and that was kind of where you realized maybe there's something here. Not that Dallas was that great, but mm -hmm. you going to play. The Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, it's never an easy task. Right. Odell Beckham Jr. destroyed the Cowboys, three touchdowns. And so, like, like he's kind of like this guy where it's like he may have went, you know, 0 for 10 in his last three games, but he hit three home runs today. <laughs> We're not benching him. It's not, that's not happening. Right. It's, you, you just, and the thing is, is, and, it, and it's tough for Odell because, and this is where Odell, you know, and it seems like he truly has matured as an athlete look he's still he's getting paid all the same it mm -hmm. don't matter but now the thing is is you know do you want to play in more meaningful games which all these guys say they do 
It's all about the team. Yeah. I just want to win. We hear so many guys say this. You know, is, is this truly going to be the case? Are you going to be okay with a four for 65? Because that might be, you know, what you average playing with this team. Yeah. Because with our play action system, with our offensive line, I can hit a lot of six, seven yards to tight ends for just easy, easy yards. And there may be times where you're straight decoy and you're Odell Beckham Jr. Are you going to be okay with that? And we'll see because, you know, Odell had to watch all of this go down last year. This team get to the playoffs, win a playoff game. You know, and the thing is with the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs last year, they basically came up and put 11 in the box, said there ain't nobody on this team that can beat us deep. Yeah, They wouldn't have done that if there was a, a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. on that field. Right. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, you can't deny the numbers. They're there. They're, they're very, very relevant. They're very, very easy to read and understand and say, yes, this, this is something to be had. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's a team in the NFL that would say, you know, if I can fit Odell in on a contract that works for my team, do I want him or do yeah. I not want him? Yeah. I think most teams are going to say, yeah, I want him. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, I, I've, I watched a, a breakdown, like a video of, you know, someone not necessarily supporting the argument that he's better without Odell than he is with him. It's just that it was showing that when Odell's out there, he's more likely to try to get the ball to Odell than he is to about finding open receivers. So it's, and this is where this is going to be on Baker now, because look, Odell's gotten his second big contract in this league. Baker is working towards that. Right. You know, is, is, is Baker Mayfield to the point now where it ain't so much about you. It's about the team. And if it's about the team means it's better off for me. This is, you know, look, this was Baker Mayfield's team when Odell got here, the success they had last year on offense was due to the offensive line, Nick Chubb, and Baker Mayfield, you know, where they should be going this year is predicated on Nick Chubb, the offensive line, and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield needs to get not get caught up in the fact that Odell's back. Baker Mayfield needs to stand out, stand in and A, do what's best for the team, which will in turn be what's best for him. Yeah, and you think that's that that that's kind of speaks to some maturity because this was a guy that in, in college in, in Mayfield was more of that maverick, reminding me a lot of Brett Favre as far as like how, you know, he was a leader of his team. Like I loved Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. I thought he was outstanding. He was a lot of fun to watch. He was one of my favorite players going into the draft. I really didn't bat an eye when Cleveland took him first overall. I thought he was definitely, you know, had the potential to be that guy. But is he that guy right now, or will he be a few years from now when he settles down a little bit? Because that emotion is not going is going to hurt you more in the NFL than it will help you, especially at the quarterback position. Do you, but do you think it's more maturity that he's more apt to spread the ball around than he is to try to go a fifty yards downfield because Odell Beckham is on the field with him? I think, in, in there, there were signs of this last week. Um, you know, he got hurt uh, in the second quarter. Um, and, you know, look, any quarterback, look, you throw an interception. If you're between the hash marks, you don't get involved in the tackle. It's just, it's just a business decision. Baker put the team first, got involved, um, and, you know, ran off the sidelines, you know, to get the shoulder looked at. Wink, wink. We all know what happened there, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then there was the opportunity, and it was down by the goal line. And here was Baker. There was a wide-open hole in the middle. And what did Baker do when he took off? I mean, that takes stones. You're putting yeah. the team over everything else. I, I have an opportunity here for a five-yard touchdown run. I may get rocked at this goal line. But you want to know what? This is what I got to do for my team right now. 
And I think I think he's going to be okay. I I don't I don't think it's going to trend towards that. And to be completely honest with you, I don't think until we see Odell, nobody knows truly where Odell is at yet. Right. And if they didn't think week one or week two were in their best interests, there could be a possibility that, you know, Odell maybe only takes 20, 22, 24, 25 reps on Sunday. I don't think he's ready for huge, you know, 50 uh, you know, 50 snap count. I don't think there's any way he's ready for that. The Browns are not crazy. They don't do things like that. They are certainly going to monitor his reps. They are going to limit his reps. And the Browns don't care because the running game is this good. Yeah. They don't care if they, well, Odell's off the field. They're going to run it. Browns don't care. Sure. Yeah, we're going to run it. What are you going to do about it? Dude, nobody stopped Nick Chubb last year when uh, Odell wasn't here. So um, nobody worried about the run, could stop the run the first two weeks when Odell wasn't playing anyway. So, but they're going to monitor, and it'll be interesting to see how much of a, you know, how much he impacts this game. And I, I, I know just the way the Browns do business now, it'll he will gradually be brought along. The Browns certainly look at this. This is they're you know it's so cliche, but they are looking at this as a marathon, by no means as a sprint. Right. Um. So we'll see how it plays out. Um. You know, Odell's going to play a little bit. Um. Could play maybe a little bit more than expected. Um, but you know, they're not hinging everything on Odell just coming out here and, you know, basically going seven for one twenty five and two scores. It's not the way the Browns work. They don't view anybody going out there and doing that type of work. Well, except for number twenty four. Right. So if you're the Bears, if you're the one coming up with the game plan to beat the Cleveland Browns, what uh what is your what is your focus? How how are you how are you setting up the Bears to beat the Browns on Sunday? You have to. If you if you can't stop if you can't find a way to stop the run, and I don't mean stop it completely, but if you can't find a way to get the Browns in third and eight, third and nine, it's a long, 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 long day. Yeah. Because once they start getting you into second and threes, third and twos, that opens up these you know play action bootlegs, and they have Baker now where he has the ability to roll to the left, to the right. These tight ends are so great at chipping down, just running to open space. Then you throw in the fact now that you have Felton, who's got a little bit of experience, Kareem Hunt in the receiving game. Um, you know, Rashard Higgins is probably going to get forced into action here, which, you know, if you watched any of the game last week, Adam Archuleta, like, talked about Rashard Higgins. Like, they literally took a hot dog vendor and threw a wide receiver uniform on him and said, okay, will you play wide receiver today, which was embarrassing. Bakers, they've just got too much to work with. And, look, the key to the Browns is get them in third and longs and because that way it takes away the play action. It takes away the threat of the run. Um, you don't do that. You put the Browns in, you know, serviceable situations where it's second and less than five, third and short. He's it, just not going to beat them. The, the, the offensive line is too good. Um, they don't. They don't make. They make some mistakes. They don't make a ton of mistakes. It's all honestly. It's all about first and ten. And you mm-hmm. know, and the Browns are smart where they mix it up on first and ten. But I mean, you have to get the Browns. And sometimes they put they do it to themselves with penalties, but you have to get the Browns in third and long. If you don't get them in third and long, you know, and they and this is weird because they can do this. They did basically did it on Sunday against the Texans, where it was like, all right, we're letting this team think that they have a shot in this game. You know what? Scrap everything passing game wise, and, and it's weird and it's rare when NFL teams can do this. All right, we're sixty five yards from the end zone. Just run the freaking ball, get me a touchdown. Yeah, and the Browns literally can do that. And it's you don't see it a lot in the modern day of the NFL, but the Browns can do that, and it's it's a calling call. It, it, like it's such a strange insurance insurance policy to have as an offense, 
where you just say, you know what, screw diverse, screw balance, run 24, run 27, six, seven plays, I guarantee we'll get, you know, we'll get 50, 60 yards. And it's there's been plenty of times in the last two years where the Browns made that happen. Yeah, that's that's one of my main concerns going into the game is this death by a thousand cuts of mm-hmm. uh, of the Browns and the, and their offense is that you know God forbid if we can stifle uh, Nick Chubb in in the running game and, and things like that you still have the tight ends you have the you know slot receivers regardless of like the Bears not you know probably coming in trying not to get beat deep because OBJ is back and that kid Schwartz with his with his speed and and everything. Uh, the, the, like it, you guys can probably small ball us to death, uh, throughout the entire ball game. And just, you know, because it, it actually, for me, it's, it's all about what we do on offense more so than it was about what we stop you from doing on, on offense, because it's, it's one thing if you guys take 13 plays and, you know, seven minutes off the clock and, and grind one out and, and put one in the end zone, then it's, what will we do to answer? That will we go three and out and give the ball right back so you can put our defense on the field for another nine minutes while you crank out a 13 play drive that will result in a field goal or something? It's just that's more what I'm concerned about than anything else is like, what is our offense going to be able to do uh, against you guys with Justin Fields, you know, at all? You know, what, what are we going to be able to do on offense to answer whatever it is you guys are doing? Because for me, it's like our defense is one of the better ones in the league. When they're when they're fresh, when they're you know when they've had you know the offense out on the field for six minutes and things like that, it's just the reason that they've kind of staggered off the last two seasons is that we haven't had an offense that could keep yep. them off the field. You know, by the end of the game, they've been on the field 60, 70, 80 plays. They are worn down. There's only so much you can expect Khalil Mack to do when he's pass rushing 70 times in a football game uh, versus, you know, a game against the like the Browns on Sunday where our defensive players played like 45 snaps maybe uh, in that game. It's like th- that's more what I'm worried about uh, going into this game is, uh, you know, what our offense can do to counter what you guys are doing against our defense. And it's tough because you have a rookie in Justin Fields making his first, you know, start. And again, like you don't want to end up in a situation where you basically are just taking your game plan, flushing it down the toilet, and saying, "Kid, it's no huddle. It's you know, it's four wide receivers, one running back. You know, pretend it's seven on seven. Do the best you can. And you know, we'll see. You know, the Browns, if they're capable of doing what they should do, this should be a game that they probably win. You know, by a touchdown, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know. I mean, look. I mean. <laughs> It's the stupid, it's stupid, it's cliche, but it's, you know, anything can happen. And if we saw anything from last week, you know, the Browns definitely kept the Texans around way longer than they should have. Granted, they still won by 10. Um, But those type of things you can't keep doing in the NFL. Yeah. You can't keep doing it. Good teams don't do that. The Chiefs, you know, most of their games, they take somebody to the woodshed and then say, all right, well, you know, for the last 15 minutes, go ahead. Had your fantasy stats. We don't care. We already won this one. Yeah. But you, you, you know, the Browns are not on that level yet. You need to start basically putting some people away. And, yeah. you know, they didn't really necessarily do that to Houston. Um, but this looks like it could be a possibility this week. Um, and, and you never know. I mean, look, Justin Fields, there's a lot of magic in that arm, there's a lot of magic in that body. But I think if it were to be something where the Bears could pull this out, it would be more where the the Browns just didn't get things done and let it be done to them. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday, especially now with with fields out there because it feels like anything is possible 
now with him out there, you know, because granted he's been but out there. Still, it's, you've it's seen a turn him. Of the page. It's yeah. a turn of the page for Absolutely. this franchise. And, you know, you guys have been doing this since, what, late April? You know, yep. this is now, all right, this is the Fields era, you know, and, and I, I, I saw, I mean, a lot of number one jerseys. These people <laughs> are ready. Everybody's ready. You want to see them. And, yeah. you know, here we go. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, all that aside of what happens on Sunday, if there's anybody I'm rooting for uh, in the AFC, it is the Browns. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's like I, for years and years and years, and I know that I'm not alone with, you know, just me and you out here. I know that you are not alone in, in, in wanting to see somebody other than new England play the play, represent the (laughs) AFC in the Super Bowl. Now that, uh, you know, Kansas city has done it a few times. Uh, you know, they've been to the AFC championship game, like three, four years in a row, been to the Super Bowl twice. I would like to see some more variety in my AFC teams. And I just love what the Browns are doing. I, like I said, I've been a fan of Mayfield since he was in college. I love that you guys run the football the way that you do. And I, it's the one thing that you definitely do better than the, than the Bills. You know, like I, I, I like Josh Allen, but they can't run the ball in Buffalo. You guys have an offense, have a, have a football team that's better suited for January than Buffalo is. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what you guys are going to be able to do this year outside of this Sunday. I'm looking for improvement. And, you know, I mean, week one was obviously very disappointing week two. Um, you know, granted it was a win, but you know, there were some things that, you know, could have looked better. Um, and I'm really looking for a step up from this defensive side of the ball. I think the secondary, the pieces are in place, but you're looking for this harmony and it's now for this defense. It's, you know, look enough being a solo artist for everybody on that defense. Cause there are a lot of guys who have great potential, great history in this league as far as, you know, what they have done. Uh, let's make this a band and, you know, put it together that way. Cause I think the potential is there for this defense to maybe be top 10, possibly top five, you know, that's the type of player, that's the type of the investments they put into it. But, you know, all of that is great on paper. It's got to be proven on the field. Right. So, Jeff, man, thanks so much uh, for hanging out, especially that extra 20 minutes I put you through when I didn't record the first time that we uh, gave it's this funny, a shot. It's funny, Larry, because I just looked at the Skype call from the last time we got together. So, yeah, I mean, me and you, if we get together, it's going 90, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we're closing in on that uh, right now. Let everybody know where we can keep up with you uh, when you're not uh, beating our heads in on Sunday. <laughs> Um, the Lockdown Brown podcast, uh, you know, free uh, every, you know, all platforms, uh, any you know, podcasting platform. Um, also, you know, uh, my stuff's now being featured through the WKYC. For those who don't know, WKYC is um, basically your NBC affiliate in Cleveland. Um, so honestly, it, it's an honor for to even like have it get to that. Yeah. You know, where we've been here now and actually today as we're sitting down here on um, this is actually my four year anniversary um, of being you know, the Lockdown Browns host. Um, and thinking of where we were, 9-22-2017, to where this franchise is in 9-22-21. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's been special. And part of the reason why I took it then, the gig, was because I thought, you know, maybe if it was smartly done and it was drafted well, and this is where we could have been two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it took a little longer. Maybe it took <laughs> a little longer. Um, but here we are now. Um, you know, so in, you know, the show itself, at Locked on Browns, uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, it's been a crazy ride. And, you know, we, we all have hopes and thoughts of what this team could be this year. And, look, hopes and thoughts are fantastic. Yeah. And none of it matters. Um, it comes down to what actually can be done. And I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty special year. Um, 
and you know, I'm just I'm excited for it. Um, just seeing you know the growth and maturation, you know, whether it's guys like Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, Baker Mayfield, of course, and you know so many others. Um, it should be a fun, fun ride. And you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities from where the Bears are right now to you know where you know you know to be maybe you know where Cleveland is in a year or two. Mm-hmm. I think it's there by all means. And we didn't even get to one guy I love. And I'll just ask you this one real quick. Sure. My guy Khalil Herbert, how's he doing? Uh, you know what, man? Uh, he hasn't seen any reps on offense yet. Um, Kick returner, right? Yeah, he he had an awesome return to start the game against, against the Rams, the Rams uh, on Sunday, on Sunday night. Um, you know, it's it's honestly, man. To tell you the truth, I can't wait to get this team away from Matt Nagy. Um, I truthfully, I, I I really do think that it was it was really weird the way this all went down. Yeah, because. You know, and like we said earlier in the show, you usually don't grant a head coach a second chance at this. And it still may not work out. Who knows? Justin Fields could come in and have, you know, whatever. Bears go seven. I'm trying to do the math now on the new numbers. Seven Seven and and ten. Yeah. Say seven and ten. You know, and, you know, that could still be a possibility. But, you know, is that good enough? And do you trust him enough? And, you know, we'll see. And it's 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 more about that I don't trust Nagy as far as like his personnel usage uh, and things like that. Like it makes me bananas that D- David Montgomery can go out there, he can run the ball for two straight plays, average seven yards a carry, and just because they're putting out a play that Damian Williams is best suited for, or at least that's what he thinks anyway. <laughs> we're gonna pull we're gonna pull uh, Montgomery off of the field for the next three or four plays because the next batch of plays on my script have Damian Williams. We'll call something else. Keep David Montgomery out there. (laughs) His first two carries against the Rams, he was averaging 26 yards a carry. You know, he had a 41-yarder on his first carry. He ran for 13 yards on his second one. It's like 54 yards on two carries, 27 yards. But we're taking him out so Damian Williams can get some reps. Are you nuts? You know, that's the kind of thing that, that, that I'm nuts about. And seeing what Herbert was doing in the preseason, scored a touchdown, he ran the football well. It's like, man, yep. I like he this nice, kid. Yeah. You know, I was like, I like him, but are we putting him out there? Nah. You know, it's like, we don't even have, we don't even have the, the problem of what we're going to do when Tariq Cohen is healthy because he's on the pup list, so he's out until week seven at least. And, you know, what are we going to do then? Uh, are, are we going to put Herbert on the practice squad? Or we, you know, what are we going to do? At that point. So I just like, I'm like I said, I can't wait to get this team away from Matt Nagy and somebody who's better suited to use the personnel that's there. Cause I think we have a better football team than what Matt Nagy is actually using. You know, like I just don't think he's utilizing the guys in their, in their best light. So that's what has me worried about it. So you sound like my, you sound like my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, <laughs> big time bears fan. Huge Bears fan, and he was just like, you know, his theory was, well, fire Nagy before he even let Fields play. Yeah. Just fire him because I don't even want him to touch him because, I, you know, God forbid he catches anything wrong from Nagy before yeah. he starts his career as the Bears quarterback. Yeah, so, but real quick, you mentioned Denzel Ward. We never got around to talking about him. I, I just all remember, and I was, I'm not innocent of this, or I'm guilty of this 100%. I thought the Browns were nuts to take Ward, not because he's not a good football player, but because they could have had Bradley Chubb on the other side uh, of Miles Garrett. My, you guy, could have had my your... guy was Harold Landry, okay, who, who went to in the early second round because he had in, injury history, had phenomenal testing. It was like, why don't you just build the Twin Towers? 
Yeah. You know, but Denzel's been everything that's been advertised. Absolutely. That's I, what I'm saying. He's been, yeah. he's definitely yeah. worthy of being taken fourth overall and, and all that though, kind of I mean, stuff. Even still, though, like, you know, where they took Denzel Ward, Jairi Alexander went like 14 picks later. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I like Jairi Alexander better than I like Denzel Ward. Wow. Um, but I think this is something you're not really, you know, this is literally splitting hairs at this point. Right. <laughs> um, this is a player who's turned out to be really well for them. And I think he's been really, really smarter of understanding the fact that he's not. You know, the, you know, God didn't bless him physically as far as size. And he's gotten really, really smart with that because he used to be really stupid as far as putting his head down or trying to knock dudes out. And it's like, bro, bro, none of that matters. Just cover, just cover. Even if you miss a tackle, nobody ever said Deion Sanders. I mean, there were a few, oh, he barely tackles. Who the hell cares? Yeah. He covers everybody. Yeah. He's still the greatest cover corner of all time. Exactly. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Dude, we, you ain't here to light nobody up. You ain't playing safety. You ain't built like that. Just cover people, man. We'll take care of the rest, bro. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Thanks so much, man. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we got to find a reason to get you on back again sometime, uh, later on this year. Uh, but I appreciate the time and, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All the best, Larry. Uh, always have a blast, you know, uh, you know, and this is a you know, part of the thing. And, you know, my time now is a lot more limited, you know, as the years go on. Yeah. Um, but there's certain guys you have a decent relationship for. And it, it's like these, you know, look, I mean, granted, you're working here, you know, I'm working with you or whatever. This is like two guys by a fire pit, crackers of beers, talking ball. And, and there was that tweet out there the other day, and he was a baseball guy or whatever. And it was about, you know, charging. Oh, people. my God. Oh. And I mean, and, 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 and look, I don't really know him, but judging by his following, obviously very well established. Yeah. And normally I don't chime in on these type of things. And, but for me, it was like, so the community and the industry that has been so good to you, you cannot give up any of your time yeah. to help somebody else who maybe wants to make a bigger step up in the industry and like stuff like that, man, that pisses me off. Yeah, it, You uh, know, I mean, and, and for me, look, you know, and if, you know, I could have said to the guy, well, I've had Daniel Jeremiah on my show, didn't pay him a dime. Yeah. Um, I've had Mark Sessler on my show, didn't pay him a dime. And it's like, you know, it basically it's it's basically screw the community, screw anybody else who's trying to work their way up the ladder. If you want me to help you pay me. Yeah. And this is not the way the good part of these communities are. Not at all. And, you know, there's another Browns guy who put out something yesterday. He's like, man, I'm amazed by how much I learn sometimes through DMs. We all love what we do. Yeah. And if we have the time. You know, it DMs, whatever it is, we all love talking ball. We all love talking sports. Yeah. And like something like that, I mean, that really chat my ass. I ain't going to lie. Because it's like, <laughs> man, that's a douche move. It yeah. really, I mean, or the other thing you could have said is, look, if you know it's a smaller product, you know, it's a smaller podcast and there's no way they're going to meet your asking price, I'm sorry. I just don't have the time. Yeah. Or catch me in the off season. And granted, it's not going to be as good for that guy or whatever. Right. But there's a better way to handle that. But as opposed to saying, I'm worth 100. And look, if you're doing your job every day, there's not, you are not putting, you've already done this research. Yeah. So what you need to do extra research to do. No, 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 man. This community is so much better than that. Oh, uh, yeah. A couple of, well, you know, a couple of bad apples that ruined the bunch. There was a post that I saw on Twitter and it was a picture of a Falcons fan and an Eagles fan. And they were both. It was from week one when they played each other, and both of them dressed like, you know, you could spot these guys in the crowd from the rafters, okay, with the way that they were dressed. They had the chains with the gigantic, 
logos on them and all that kind of stuff. And there was a comment in the in the the tweet about one of them was tweeting about the other, like met this really awesome fan and blah blah blah. We weren't rooting for the same team, but you know we we have a shared passion for our team, so there's mutual respect there. That's exactly why I do this and why I well, I love talking to guys like you. It's like you are not a Bears fan. You're never going to be, but you love your team like I love mine, so you and I understand each other. And that's why we can sit back and forth and have these conversations. And that's, you know, and I've met God knows how many people over the six, seven years I've been doing interviews yep. on the show doing the exact same thing and i've had adam rank on the show i've talked to kyle brandt on the show jeff perlman who's a new york times bestseller didn't pay any of those guys a penny for their time you know and they were generous with their time and it was awesome most of the time with those bigger names it's you know it's a flexibility thing hey yeah you do this and look if one of those guys are going to agree to it uh dude you need me at four o'clock in the morning bro i'll wake up four o'clock you know yeah and that's where it was just like you know like who are you and like man you don't do that (laughs) And then basically to take the social media and, you know, granted he didn't at the person, but it was like, really? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, you get paid good money to basically do what you dreamt of doing as a child. Absolutely. You know, I mean, like, who are we kidding? At the end of the day, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, this is gold. I mean, you know, hey, you know, we found a way to take something we would do with all of our friends for free and find a way to turn it into a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know. That was just, and for me, that was just a black mark on the entire community. Yeah. And, you know, it's just not right. It's, it's just not right. I mean, you know, I couldn't even imagine. I literally, and as you know, like we had to adjust this a couple of times yeah. over three, four days to make this happen. But I wanted to make it happen. You wanted to make it happen. And we made it happen. We made it happen. Here we are. So, yeah. And, but one thing I was very happy about, he's a baseball guy. So, you know. Yep. Maybe that's well, and there's the other thing. All you could have told the kid was, bro, it's September. I'm mad busy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You don't have to tell him I need a hundred. All of a sudden my schedule's a little bit more open for $150. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Get out of here with that. That's could you we... pay for dinner Friday night for me and my wife? Then I have, a, then I have 40 minutes for you. Right. Well, actually Screw it was you. 25 to 30 minutes. You know, okay, that, yeah. that was it. Yeah, that's so... all he's got for 150 to hundred bucks. He's only 25 to the 30 well, minutes. No, he's got to put in the research though. Yeah, he's got to do there's... his 30 minutes of research to yeah. talk for 30 minutes. <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, Jeff. Uh, I think I'll you let you go, man. Let you get back to your Wednesday night. I appreciate the time and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. All the best, brother. Appreciate you. want to thank jeff uh jeff lloyd for being on the uh for being on the show uh from locked on browns um great guy you know i've only had a chance to talk to him a couple of times um and i enjoyed it thoroughly and what he and i were talking about there at the end is proof positive uh, of that the whole thing with the with the, you know the guy charging people to be a guest on the podcast and uh and all that kind of stuff it's it's ridiculous uh you know, you guys have been listening with, to the show, you know, with me for several years now. You've heard the people that I've had on the show. And, and, I'm, and I'm not bragging or anything like that, but I didn't have to pay a penny for Olin Krutz's time, for Jeff Perlman, a New York Times bestselling author, Kyle Brandt, Adam Rank. None of these people charged me for their time to come on to the show. They gave me their time 
for free to have a conversation with me on my crappy little uh, a podcast. You know, it's 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 been a great thing. I've got to talk to some pretty awesome people because of this little show of mine. And, you know, people like Jeff, people like the guys that we're going to have on the show for the next few weeks, like next week, Jeremy Reisman, he's one of my old school, you know, he's been doing this show uh, as a Lions guest from the beginning. He's the only Lions guest I've ever had. Same with Evan Western, who we talked to in a few weeks for the Packers on, you know, week six. Next, uh, two weeks from now, when we play the, Raiders, Q Myers, we've had him on a few times. Love that guy uh, and everything. And it's all about this community. And, you know, we love to talk about football. We love to talk about our teams. And we love to talk to like-minded people. I mean, who doesn't? But that's what this podcast community uh, is about. That's what Jeff was referring to when he was talking about uh, this community uh, and everything. You even heard to him uh, allude to it uh, during the show when we were talking about the how Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers is really the only one who thinks the Steelers are going to be much of anything uh, this year. You heard him say, like, man, I love Chris Carter. I love talking to that guy. You know, despite the fact that the, the Browns and the Steelers hate each other with the, burning, with, the, with the heat of a thousand burning suns, those two guys like each other because, you know, this, is, this community, this you know, podcast community, this um, this you know, they're part of the same network. So, you know, they have the crossover days and you just, you guys notice that you, you listen to these conversations that I have with my, with my guests and, and how I get along with Evan Western of all people who's a Packers fan. He's one of my favorite people to have on this show. I look forward to it despite how lopsided uh, the rivalry has been uh, since I started having Evan on the show. I think we've won two, maybe three games out of the several that we've played against Green Bay in the time that I've had Evan on. He never once came back and be like, hey, how about week six, you know, or anything like that. Um, you know, I just, um, this is one of the big reasons why I continue to do the show, not only because I love the broadcasting aspect of it, but I do love the community aspect of it. And, and despite the fact that most of the people that I talk to on this show are not Bears fans, they love their team like I love mine. So they are, they understand. We have an understanding, a mutual respect. It's, uh, you know, like I said, talking to like-minded people, you could do it all day. Like Jeff said, we could be, you know, sitting around the bonfire, having a couple of drinks, just, you know, shooting the breeze that whole time. And somebody just happened to have some microphones and recorded it. That's how these conversations are meant to sound. So, um, you know, loved having him on. Look forward to talking to Jeremy next week. Look forward to Q Myers and Evan Western and so on and so forth down the line as we go to, I mean, week seven, we get Rendax back from the, from the pewter cast before we play the Buccaneers. Looking forward to that as well. So, but um, anyway, uh, Jeff brought up some really great points. Um, I love the, the, the aspect of basically, you know, Bears defense is going to want to get the job done on first and second down, force those third and, and longs, force the Browns into passing situations, not because they're weaker in the passing game, but because if they have the option to run in those short yardage situations, they more than likely are, and Nick Chubb is going to eat all day long uh, against us, and that's not what we want. You know, We want um, you know, Baker Mayfield, we want to give our pass rush a chance to go and get him uh, instead of letting him and the, the running game sit there and pick us apart. So, 
And then it's on the offense. As I mentioned to Jeff, it's on the offense. We want to see, uh, you know, if the Browns are able to put together a drive, whether it's three points or a touchdown, uh, whatever, the offense has to answer. We have to go back out there. We have to, you know, get first downs. We have to take some time off the clock. We have to give our defense a breather so that they are fresh and can handle Nick Chubb in the third and fourth quarter as opposed to being worn down because they're into the 70s now as far as their play count uh, goes. And, you know, Nick Nick Chubb and, and company are just uh, eating us to pieces uh, in, the, in the running game. But we'll talk more about that tomorrow uh, on the deep dive uh, preview. Uh, so come back uh, for that. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll get into it. And uh, we'll have... Uh, Keys to the game, news and notes, and and what have you. I'm sure that there will be more to talk about with the uh, Justin Fields being started. We'll have more. We'll have a better grasp of the injury report. Is Eddie Goldman actually going to make his 2021 debut? Is he going to set foot on a regular season field for the first time since 2019? Uh, And and what have you. So uh, looking forward to uh, the results of the injury report tomorrow. I I do know today on Wednesday he was limited, so he was at least practicing, and we'll see how it goes uh, from there. So be sure to tune in uh, tomorrow for the deep dive preview, and we'll get you ready for Bears-Browns week number three. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Amen.